0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. A reading from Luke chapter 7 verse 11 to 17. A widow's son raised to life. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin And the pallbearer stopped, and he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. Let's pray. Father God we thank you so much for your word we thank you for the gift of your son who is the living word Father God we thank you for this time of worship we thank you for the opportunity to gather with the saints just to lift up our voices and lift up our hearts to you and worship Father God we're praying just committing uh, this time in your word Father God, I pray that you will open our hearts to receive, open our ears to hear, and open our minds. Just open us, Father God. Give us softened hearts, Lord, to receive what you have for us today. I pray also, Lord, for Jermaine as he as he delivers the word. Father God, I pray that... As he speaks, he will decrease and you will increase, Father God. I pray that the words that he speaks will not simply be his words, but will be from you, Father God, from your living word, Father God. I pray, Lord, that um, if he has any doubts, if he has any anxieties, any, any any fear within him, Father God, as he presents the word, I pray that you will give him the spirit of, of boldness and of courage, Father God, um, to speak the word and to proclaim the word boldly, Heavenly Father. Um, pray again that you will just allow us to be open to receiving what you have for us today we thank you so much for what you've done and what you're doing in your church in jesus name amen
1: praise god praise god god is good amen God is good, amen? Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's funny, I needed that prayer particularly for God to give me um, boldness. Um, as I'm learning to preach, there's a lot of new things that I'm discovering about preaching that sometimes brings me to my knees a little bit longer than I anticipate being there. Um, but God knows what he's doing, amen? Amen. So we're going to continue on in our series in uh, Luke 7, uh, Luke 7, 11 to 17. I titled this message, uh, The Praise That Jesus Deserves. Uh, praise is something that we are very familiar with because it is a normal human response when we experience or see something that's amazing. Um, this might seem like a long time ago, but in 2019, um, 2019 feels like with everything that's happened to be a long time ago, but we um, saw all of this city of Toronto um, erupt in praise for the Toronto Raptors finally winning us a championship. And, And I know for some of you it's like, you know, who cares? But there's a few of us in this room who are like, we've been waiting for that all our lives. I'm 32. It's not very long that I've been waiting. But I know some who are older than me who have been like, it's not going to happen. But God came through. So we understand praise as a natural response. And in the same way, I want us to see in this passage of Scripture some um, great, undeniable reasons to praise God. And so we're going to see that today. Um, The big takeaway is this. We praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And the aim that I um, have today is I uh, I want us to see who Jesus is and what he's done. And I believe that this will cause us to give him the praise that he deserves. All right. And so we're going to go right in. Point one is actually... The only point um, for this entire message, it's Jesus helps us as only God can, so we give him the praise that he alone deserves. Very simple, and we're going to actually deal with it in sort of two parts. The first, Jesus helps us as only God can. Verse 11 says, after he was on his way to a town called Name." Afterwards, he was on his way to on Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Uh, this is a, a very interesting picture because Nain is a place that is only mentioned this one time in scripture. And, and so it's a, an unpopular place with unpopular people. But right out the gate, we get some encouragement here as we're reminded that Jesus is... He's not discriminating against anyone. And in fact, he, he intends to reach everyone with his gospel. Jesus helps even those who seem um, like they're off the radar of God. And let's look at um, a passage that helps us see this. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude of every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number. Standing before the throne and before the lamb, they were uh, robed in white with palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. This is the picture that we have of what is to come is that there will be a day when there will be no place on earth where Jesus hasn't gone and helped people from that place. And this is the, the reality that we're seeing here. Jesus goes to a place where no one knows, and no one's spoken about, but he's gonna help them. So verse 12 says, just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. Uh, his, he was his mother's only son and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town, sorry, from the city was also with her. So Luke wants us to see right, um, very clearly, uh, the state that this woman is in. It's a, a hard thing that I can, I can recall being when I was a teenager, um, going to the funeral of a, uh, a young man who had died in a, a car accident. And I remember walking into the room um, and hearing his mother wailing in agony. And it was the most heartbreaking thing that I could ever imagine uh, hearing. And, and I, I imagine that's exactly what's going on in this. She's lost her only son. And she's not just lost her only son, she's, she's experienced this sorrow before. Uh, Luke says she's a widow which means she's also seen her her husband pass as well. And if this isn't a bad enough scene, Luke also makes a a point to point out that it's her only son and her husband who are gone. And this is a a culture where at this time, the the males in the family were the ones who provided for the family, which means she's not just in a, a state full of sorrow. She's also in desperate need of help. But Luke points out something to us in this that's very important for us to see. Um, At the second half, he says, a large crowd from the city was also with her. And this is something for us to see that she had, even though she's in this uh, horrible state with great sorrow that's been uh, a part of her life for so long, she's got a community that's supporting her. And so I want us to to think about how important this is. When we're going through the hardest seasons of our life, we need a community to be supporting us just as this woman has. God hasn't created us to be an island unto ourselves and especially at those hard times in our lives. And and I want to say that God has called us to be that community for each other. He's called us to be the kind of people who would be there for one another in the hardest times of our life. But if we're honest, that's not something that comes easily. It it, it takes intentionality. It takes relationship. We've got to be committed to one another, growing together, loving together. And so having a community with her in this hard time is, is a very important thing. And so going on in verse 13... When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. The, Luke actually gives us a, a very important but very subtle statement there. He changes the title. He doesn't just say Jesus. He says, Lord. Do you see that? Lord actually helps us to see the, this help that Jesus is providing, this compassion that he's providing to this woman in a different way. See, it's it's the difference between you being seen by a co-worker at work and you being seen by the owner of the company. When the owner of the company recognizes you, that person can help you advance your career a lot more in that company than anyone else. This is what it is for, for this woman, that Jesus sees her. He sees her and it means that she can get, be helped in a way that no one else can. And, he, and so Jesus sees her and it he says that he had compassion on her. And this, is, this compassion is a reflection of God's heart. We have a God who is compassionate. Look at Psalms thirty four eighteen with me. It says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is a woman who is crushed in spirit, and God has compassion towards her. And there are some of us here who, through COVID, we've felt like we're crushed in spirit. Some of us are still feeling like that right now. And I want us to see that God is compassionate. This woman wasn't in a state where she was looking for Jesus, but he comes to her. And he has compassion on her. He sees her. And this is, this should comfort us to know that we have a God who sees us and has compassion on us. And then he goes on. After he sees her, he goes to her and he says um, something that seems very strange. Don't weep. This is something that I wouldn't advise any of us to <laughs> dare say to a woman who's at the funeral of her only son. And and this is just a side note. It helps us a little bit to consider that we will find ourselves in situations at times where we're the community that's comforting others. And when this happens, a good rule of thumb to hold on to is sometimes the best help you can be to that person is to be present but silent. Just be someone who's sitting in the room and weeping with them. But Jesus can say things that no one else can say because Jesus can do things that no one else can do. Amen? Amen. And so we see Jesus says to her, Don't weep. He says, Don't weep. And look what he does 14. Then he came up and touched the open coffin. And the pallbearer stops. Now Jesus is doing a bunch of crazy stuff in this passage, right? He, he, he not, he's not only um, told this woman not to weep, but he's, he's interrupting the funeral procession. And he goes and touches the coffin. But notice the, 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 the people. Notice this, this crowd. I think about myself in this scenario. If I was at a funeral and saw Jesus walking up i think i would probably be compelled to tackle him think he's a madman who's interrupting things but notice their their position they it says they they stop they stop and and they allow Jesus to do what he's doing in this time and we'll find ourselves in a similar state where where God is doing things that we don't understand. It makes no sense to us what He's doing. And, and we need to trust God just the same. And in fact, we can trust God just the same. I believe there's a possibility that these people have heard of Jesus through the grapevine. And they see, they probably recognize um, that, that it's Him when they see Him coming with this great crowd. And so there is a sense where they acknowledge Jesus in this moment, and they stop. When we find ourselves in these moments here, I want to give us four ways that we can uh, judge whether or not we are trusting God in those uncertain moments. One, uh, you talk to God in prayer. This might be hard to do on your own, so along with this is, is continually asking others to help you pray, to pray with you. Two, uh, you hold on to God's promises. This book gives us so much to hold on to of God's promises. And in those times where things are uncertain, we can look to God's word for his promises that we can hold on to. Three, uh, you review God's past help. His past work works towards you. This is very important. I I can think about a few times that I've found myself in a place where I don't know what God's doing, and just being able to recall how God has been faithful in the past to take me through situations, to work things out, even where it goes beyond my understanding, my my ability to, to put together what he's doing. And so being able to recall. The things that God has done for us in the past. And then four is you wait patiently on God. Waiting patiently on God is something we've we've heard, um, we heard last week in the message. This is an important step for us. It's, it's trusting that God is working even while we're waiting. Amen? So looking at verse 15, or sorry, I want to look at verse 14b. verse 14b says and he and he said young man I tell you get up this is a beautiful picture because we saw earlier in Luke 7 Jesus speaks words to heal a servant of the centurion and in this passage we see Jesus speak words and raise the dead. This is amazing. And Paul, and Luke actually shows us that Jesus only speaks twice in this passage. He speaks to the mother and then he speaks to the son. This is amazing. Jesus commands both the living and the dead and both obey him. This is how powerful the word of Jesus is. So Jesus commands the living and the dead. Verse fifteen: Look, the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. So we see this man respond to Jesus and come to life. And this actually brings us to a gospel reality that we have. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two says this. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Death is a problem for us, but it's not a problem for Jesus. And this is the beautiful reality that we have, just as as Christ has been raised from the dead. Those of us who have put our trust in Jesus have the same hope of resurrection from the dead. We were Scripture says that we were dead in our sin and trespasses, just like this young man was. And we were helpless, just like both the young man and his mother was. We couldn't do anything. Dead people can't do anything. But Jesus, as he came to her, he came to us. And he spoke words that transforms our lives. And when we put our trust in him, this is the reality that we have, both now spiritually being resurrected to new life in Christ, but also on the day that Christ returns. This is the hope that we have. And I want to say to To all those who are hearing my voice, who are unbelievers, I want to say you don't have to miss out on this. If if you hearing my voice now would put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, just as we have this hope of resurrection, of life after death, you can have it too. So we put our trust in Jesus. And we see in verse 16 that these people have a reasonable response to, in fact, very reasonable responses to what they've just seen, this amazing miracle. The first one, it says, verse 15, sorry, verse 16, my mistake. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, And God has visited his people. I'll read verse 17 as well. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. We've got two responses. The first one is fear. Now, this scene in 15 looks like a scene out of the show Walking Dead. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But it's not normal to see a dead man rise up and start Talking. Right, So fear is a normal response, but this fear here is actually uh, more pointing towards what they see and think of Jesus than it is of this uh, amazing miracle. It's that they realize that, that Jesus has just done something that no one else can do. He's just ra- risen the dead. And this is an amazing thing for us to see. Jesus does what no one else can can do. And so we give him praise that only he deserves. And the second response they give is that. It says, and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us. This statement that they make a great prophet has risen among us is actually meant to point to this reality that these people have had where they have been um, waiting to hear from God for a very long time. And they've heard stories, they've grown up hearing stories of, of prophets, great prophets who have, who have done amazing miracles. And so naturally, they associate Jesus with one of these great prophets. And they're not wrong. Jesus is a great prophet. He is the final word of God to mankind and the complete word of God to mankind. And so this is an an amazing thing, an exciting thing for them. And then they say something else along with that. They say, God has visited his people. And this actually is a a, a phrase that is seen again and again in in scripture. And, And what it really points to is the idea that God helps his people in a way that only he can. And we actually see um, earlier in Luke, this, this, act, this statement comes up as well in Luke 168 it says, "Blessed is the Lord, God, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people." This is this author in Luke uh, associates this idea of God visiting his people with God sending the Savior, the promised Savior. These people acknowledge that when that God speaking to them again, that God visiting them is actually God helping them in a way that only can sending the, the promised savior. They acknowledge in their praise that Jesus is the savior. But in in all of this, they to capture one aspect of Jesus. Remember the big takeaway? We worship God or we praise God because of who he is. God is absolutely a great prophet. Jesus is absolutely a great prophet. Jesus is absolutely the, the, the promised savior. But Jesus is also God. Amen? Jesus is God. And this is one reality that we get to see because we have the the complete picture throughout the rest of the Bible, not to mention in Luke, there's continual revelation of Jesus as God. And, 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 And what he did for us is so much more magnified when we realize this. God himself took on the form of man and came and died for our sins to save us. God Saves us. This is the the amazing picture that we have. We have so much reason when we consider these things to to give God praise. We have so much to praise God for. And I want to bring us back to to one more reason that we have to to give God praise from uh, this section, this passage. If we look back at verse 15 in the second half, it says, and Jesus gave him to his mother. This is an amazing reality that we also have to look forward to. Just as Jesus has comforted this family by reuniting them, Jesus has, God has promised us in his word a similar comfort for those who are part of the family of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the air, in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's going to be a reunion with our loved ones who have died in Christ just as this mother is reunited with her son. This is the the great wonder that we have to look forward to in the gospel, what, what Christ has won for us, the victory that he's given us over death, over sin. And... And, and Paul, kind our of, Luke kind of ends by pointing to the fact that this, this great miracle is going to continue to spread throughout Judea and the vicinity. And it's that the life of this community is forever transformed by the power of Jesus. And just as their life are transformed, and now they are forever a testimony, consider that we're reading of this amazing thing that happened to them to this day. Our lives are also a testimony to the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We live as a testimony to his, sal- his salvation. For those of us who have put our trust in him and have been uh, raised to, li- to new life from sin, we are a testimony as well and and these are reasons that we go on to 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 praise jesus to give him the praise that he alone deserves because only he could save us from our sins but we don't just have the 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 fact that he saved us jesus continues to provide us with help day by day we just take a moment and consider throughout our lives, all the ways that we've seen Jesus come through for us, the ways that he's, he's uh, helped us when no one else could help. Even just think for a moment about throughout this pandemic how we've had 18 months or 16, 17, however many months we've been going through this feels like a lifetime however many months we've been going through this, the, the things that have happened to some people, and, and, and think about what God has kept you through. Think about what God has kept you from. There are people who aren't in our midst today, who aren't here today, because they didn't make it through, but God has kept you and me through this. And he's provided for us. He's cared for us. Amen? And so the, the only reasonable response for us to have to such an awesome God is praise. So I'm going to ask you to to join me in standing. And we're going to do just that. We're going to lift our voices together as we did in the beginning. And we're going to give Jesus the praise that he alone deserves. We praise Jesus for who he is and for what he's done.
0: For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.